1: Hello and welcome to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and uh, with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky.
2: Hey, what's going on, Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans? So, we're back, and it's it's so weird to be like Rebel cells now. We're Rebel yeah. cells. Dude, do, do,
1: do not adjust Ooh. your your podcast <laughs> device. Uh, yeah. We're in control of the horizontal and the vertical. Uh, that's a that's <laughs> oh, an old school reference. That's something that like not a lot of people are gonna get, but that's okay. I'm uh, I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I so. I mean, most of you know, most of you heard us talk about it over the summer, but if you didn't tune in for the Freemaker Adventures stuff, um, you may not have heard. If you're not really following us on Facebook and Twitter, you just listened to the podcast, you may not have heard. The Rebels podcast, uh, is now Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast that sells C-E-L-S-1-L, like, an animation cell, um, and, the reason for that is really simple, Star Wars Rebels is ending this year and we know that something else is coming. And rather than transition to a new show and start all over again, like we did between Frontlines and, uh, and Rebels, I, especially considering the fact that we already cover all of the other Star Wars animated content that's currently coming out. We figured, okay, let's, you know make a bit of a of a 90 degree turn not quite a 180 but a 90 degree and uh, and and instead of just just dedicating ourselves to star wars rebels now we're dedicated to all star wars animation so at the moment that includes of course star wars the clone wars you can go back and you can listen to all of the back catalog uh you can find that under Frontline's The Clone Wars Podcast still on, on iTunes. <clears throat> but you can find it all on the new website, rebelcells.com. Um, you, you'll also get, of course, Star Wars Rebels, uh, Forces of Destiny, um, which I, I, we sh- we'll probably do a new episode of that soon um to to talk about uh actually we'll we'll probably wait until after the end of the month because we have the second half of that um of that new content so uh we'll talk about all of that kind of at once in one episode and uh last but certainly not least uh lego star wars the freemaker adventures an honorable mention um and maybe my favorite out of the bunch uh is star wars blips um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's actually, there's actually a fair amount yeah. of star Wars animated content that's being produced right now. Um, and, and that, that kind of motivated the change. So the rebels podcast aspect of the, of the rebel cells, it's not changing. We're not going to do anything different. The podcast is still the same podcast you guys have been listening to since 2008. Um, it's just uh, it's really honestly just a name change so that when whatever comes after Star Wars Rebels uh, is announced that we're not kind of scrambling to uh to, to spin up a new podcast and do all that all over again and make you guys have to go subscribe to a new feed and and uh and all of that so um we're actually it's going to be much more similar to the format of of another new podcast that i'm doing uh called cartoon afternoon where curtis and i are doing uh uh, recaps of currently the, the new DuckTales series um, that's on Disney XD but also uh, we've done a little bit of classic DuckTales and we'll be doing like classic Darkwing Duck and all of the Disney afternoon type stuff so Darkwing, Gargoyles uh, maybe Tailspin at some point definitely Rescue Rangers <clears throat> um, and, and so that that podcast is obviously not dedicated to one show but sort of a genre of shows Mm-hmm. and the rebel cells is very similar in that respect where we're not just dedicated to one star Wars animated show. We're dedicated to all of star Wars animation. So, uh, in the off season, that means that we'll actually be going back and, uh, and probably talking about the Gendi Tartakovsky clone Wars series, as well as, uh, uh, you know, the animated segment from the, the holiday special, um, droids, Ewoks, basically anything and everything that's ever been animated animated in the star Wars universe. So, um, and anything that will be in the future. And I have a sneaking suspicion that there's more than one project in the pipeline right now. Mm. So I, uh, I don't really have anything to base that off of. It's just a, it's just a gut feeling that there's, that there's more than one project out there. Um, mm. because of the way that the Lucasfilm employees talk about star Wars animation moving forward. So I, so with all of that said, welcome to the first official episode under the banner, Rebel Cells. Of course, this is still basically the Rebels podcast. Um, yeah. it's, it's Matt yeah. and I. We're going to talk Star Wars Rebels tonight, uh, specifically the season for the fourth and final season premiere, uh, Heroes of Mandalore, parts one and two. Um, <clears throat> but before we do that, we got a little bit of news to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Uh move.
0: Force is strong
1: this week. Now, use the latest
0: from a galaxy far, far away. Roll right away, sir.
2: You know, Mike, just to piggyback on what you were saying to do <clears throat> too about the podcast, is like, this is it man. This is uh we're rolling into <clears throat> season four, our yep. final season. And uh, it's kind of one of those bittersweet moments that it's been a great, uh, great series. And but I like the way that you know they got the story figured out. They're wrapping it up. They're doing a quick, um, you know, fifteen, sixteen episode. Uh, and and the fact that the second half of the season is pretty much like under tight. You know, we don't yeah. know much about it. I'm really looking forward to that. So. Uh, and then whatever else is coming uh, in the future of Star Wars animation. So that's why, uh, like you said, change changes the name. And, man, I just love the name Rebel Cells. It just flows. I yeah. love it. But uh, just real quick, we wanted to mention a couple things. We're going to get into the episode real quick here. Uh, just for all of you that are listening, um, and I had to kind of remind myself, too, of like, okay, how, what is the schedule again? And uh, like I was just telling Mike a second ago, like by, the, by a month's time, we're already going to be we'll, – we finished with the first half of this season. So it's crazy. Like we got the two episodes uh, today yep. next week. We got uh, the two part in the name of the rebellion. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and then the next three Mondays we got uh, our next two Mondays, the 30th and November 6th, there's two episodes a piece. And then we finish up on the 13th with rebel assault. It's so it looks like a one episode. So, like I said, it's it's coming fast at us, man, and uh, it's going to be here, and we're going to have a break really fast. So that's yeah. what the schedule. Is if if anybody out there is wondering um, just what's going on with rebels, and it's like it's playing like four or five times throughout the day. I'm actually, I get it here in the states in California. We get it at 9:30 on. Uh, I think it's um, on, on Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. Sunday night, <clears throat> Sunday yeah. night at 9:30. It's uh, we got it. So um, and then it obviously plays on from now on. So. Um, that's the schedule, Mike. Anything to add to that? Yeah. Uh, as far as what's going
1: on, I'm actually gonna. We were discussing this before we started the episode, um, and I'm actually gonna throw it out to the audience and see what you guys think. Would you hmm. rather that we stay up to date and talk about the episodes from the week that they air, or do you guys want us to stretch it out and do one episode a week? Now. <clears throat> In the name of the Rebellion, Parts 1 and 2 is an exception to that. We're going to deal with that next week the same way that we're dealing with uh, heroes of mandalore parts one and two we're going to do both this week um and then both episodes of in the name of the rebellion next week <clears throat> because they are contiguous stories right so right, um it yeah. makes more sense to just sort of talk to, talk about them as one as one holistic piece um than mm-hmm. then split those up but in in terms of an, an example like on the 30th the occupation and flight of the defender would you guys rather that we talk about both of those episodes that week? um, Or would you rather that we split that up and do the occupation uh, the week of of the 30th and then flight of the defender the week after um, and continuing on? So we will get progressively more and more behind, but that means that you guys will have content all the way into December, as opposed to having to take a long break between November 13th. And whenever we come back in January, so, um, you guys can hit us up. I, here's the other part of, of the, of the change. Maybe in the future, I'll change them up, but for now, I'm actually going to leave the Facebook page and Twitter as rebels podcast, because it's close enough, um, that I, I, we're just going to leave those alone. So you can hit us up at rebels podcast. um, on Twitter or you can go over to the Facebook page facebook.com slash rebels podcast and and uh, and message us there and let us know how you guys feel about it maybe I'll even throw a poll up on Twitter and uh, and you guys can vote that way um, but I, I really like I don't know to, to me I would rather have it split out I'd rather give each episode sort of like each each story it's its own, um, sort of like encapsulated, um, episode to deal with it, to talk about it mm-hmm. talk about the ideas. But if you guys would rather that we stayed up to date, we can do that too. And then during the break, we can maybe hop back and do a couple episodes of, of the Gendy Tartakovsky clone wars or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, let us know at Rebels Podcast, Facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast. Those are probably the best ways. Of course, you can also email us, Rebels Podcast at gmail.com. Um, or Twitter too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or you can hit Matt or I up on Twitter individually at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, or at The Crankster with a K. Um any of those ways and let us know what you guys think of that idea and we'll uh, and we'll take it from there. Um, Yeah, for sure. One other big piece of news from earlier this week. And one of the reasons why you guys are now going to be getting the episode a little bit later in the week than previously. um, Obviously, First and foremost, the episodes air on Mondays. Um, they and in Canada, I have to wait until six o'clock at night on a Monday in order to mm. to watch them. So, um, so the episodes air on Mondays, which kind of pushes our recording schedule uh, further into the week. But the other part of it is that Star Wars and Lucasfilm have this tendency to drop news monday tuesday wednesday so right. uh with that in mind we're going to stick to this wednesday recording schedule um because one of the reasons why they drop news on wednesdays is cuz they have the star wars show as a platform to do that um of course just to throw us a curveball yesterday morning tuesday they <laughs> uh they made a pretty big <laughs> announcement regarding the untitled han solo film um Big announcement in in scope, uh, underwhelming in result. Um, right. <laughs> at least that's how <laughs> I feel about it. So the official title for the untitled Han Solo film is Solo, A Star Wars Story, and uh, I don't know about you, Matt, but I feel like it's a little on the lazy side. Um, it's just kind of right there. Uh, I don't really feel like I feel like this was a very like studio decision. This was a very producery decision, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really, <clears throat> it doesn't really evoke anything to me. It's like, yeah, okay, we know it's Han Solo, right. you know, like, and I of course he's front and center, but I don't know. To me, it almost feels like there's a bit of an ensemble feel to it because you've got. Of course you have Chewbacca right. and then you've got all these other great new characters they're going to get introduced introduced to I mean and including Lando coming back um, so it, to me making the title solo it's kind of I, I it, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way but at the end of the day uh, of course as I tweeted um, it's really quite irrelevant because it's a Star yeah, Wars right. movie and they can call it whatever they want. <laughs> we're all going to go see it. So, right. um,
2: you can call it whatever, like you
1: mentioned, exactly. Uh, it's just whatever a star Wars story. And you could do that for, yeah. you do whatever one, whatever two, whatever three, I'll be there for all of them. Um, cause they're star Wars movies. And like I've said before, I might not enjoy rogue one that much, but I'll still watch rogue one over a handful of other movies. Um, right. Because it's a star Wars movie. So of course yeah. it's better. I. Yeah, a bad Star Wars movie is still a great film. So,
2: oh uh, yeah, and you know what's funny is, like, if I had a bunch of money, I would have taken it to Vegas and put down everything I had on on the title of, of, of picking the title of this movie because it was either going to be Han Solo, a Star Wars story, Star, Star Wars story, yeah, or Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. So no surprise to me at all. It was like as soon as i saw it i'm like yeah I, we kind of all knew that and and you know what I, i'm fine with it i mean I, it'd be hard to I, I didn't want anything like uh you know han solo uh the, the truce at, at this or that or whatever it was you know it's just like hey it's pretty simple it's pretty straight to the point um this you know what we're getting so i don't know where else they would really, you could really go with that you know what i mean like I would have I,
1: I would have loved if they would have referenced back to the old um, Brian Daly Star Wars Han Solo adventures. Uh, mm. The They're kind of they're kind of novellas. They're pretty short, um, but you can get them collected, all three of them in, in one uh, paperback um, mm. under the Legends banner. Um, I love those books. They are some of the best Star Wars expanded universe. They don't count for anything in the canon, and I really don't care. Um, but the those books are Han Solo at Stars End, Han, Han Solo and the Lost Legacy, and Han Solo's Revenge, and mm-hmm. I, I would have loved for them to have. Taken a, a cue from one of those, um, and we know based on some of the images that Ron Howard posted that Kessel is going to be a part of it. Um, right. And so I, I mean, I'll, I you say you you'd go to Vegas and you'd bet on that title. Um, I'd go to Vegas and I'd bet that we're going to see the Kessel run. Oh yeah, and the, sure. the historic moment of of making the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs um, I think, yeah, in this yeah. film.
2: I think there's two things you're going to see. Like if I had to bet, here's another thing I'd do. Exactly what you said the Kessel Run. I think we're going to see that famous uh, – because they talk about it all the time. Even in The Force Awakens, they they, they reference it. You know, 14. Mm-hmm. No, it's 12. So we're going to see that. And yeah. I think we're going to see um, the reason that – or not the reason, but we're going to see that moment that Chewie has to say goodbye to his family because he's serving his life dead. I think we're going to get that. We saw you some so? behind-the-scenes pictures – uh, I saw a photo. I don't know if you saw that photo that um, I think Ron Howard put out there that it, it showed it showed Chewie and it looked like he was hugging or something, showing affection to another Wookie. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh man, that's that's the point where he's telling his wife, hey, I got to go, you know, it's the life debt thing, and they know it, and he's got to do it. So I think we might see that too. But yeah. um, I think I think with these 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 Star Wars stories, I think when they focus on characters, it's it's going to be tough when you name these it. like where else would you go if it's going to be a Boba Fett movie I mean I mean, at some point are you going to keep Fett in the title or if it's going to be a, a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie I mean the first, your first thought is it's going to be Kenobi a Star Wars story you know what I mean so I think it's going to be a little tougher to name these uh, standalone movies that focus on a single character yeah, uh, without going away from without shying away from just going with their last name or their name you know so uh, obviously Rogan was different because it was a story encompassing uh, a bunch of different things but uh, you know like I said no surprise to me on the solo thing um, so but yeah, yeah I'm excited for, sure. for it man I'm looking forward to it. they wrapped photog- uh, principal photog- they wrapped all the reshoots and yeah. and now it's just uh, gangbusters until next May so
1: yeah, until um, May, it is so close, right? I mean, yeah. we're I know, uh, right? yeah. in in the interim between our last episode back in September, and uh, and now, obviously, the last Jedi tickets went on sale. Um, yes. So I've got my tickets, Matt. You've got yours. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: I'm I'm going to the six o'clock special screening.
1: The double the double
2: screening. Uh, I don't know if it's a double. It's just like over in, in some areas, and in my area, mm-hmm. there's um, these these these. Uh, theater houses are doing a special six o'clock uh, fan appreciation, not fan, okay. but like a fan, it's called a fan showing.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. And you okay. get,
2: some, you know, you get some swag and, yeah. and whatever. So, so I got, so, um, I got tickets
1: in IMAX for the, the, the double feature.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. starts with the force, force awakens, awakens at
1: three yeah. thirty, and then rolls right into the last Jedi. I'm sure there'll be cool. like an intermission in between, but um, yeah. yeah, I think that there's some swag associated with that as well. Yeah.
2: That's a cool so, thing to do though. I yeah, I, I would be able for that too, just to get the little refresher. That'd be really cool.
1: So, yeah, I mean, like the um, excuse to see the Force Awakens in IMAX 3D again. <laughs> like, yeah. and uh, yes, um, please tickets tickets to an IMAX movie up here are usually around twenty bucks, and these tickets were thirty five for both movies, um, right. thirty five each. So I uh, it was awesome. it's a little pricey, but.
2: You're getting two I movies.
1: I think it's though. still... you get two movies. I still think... I think it's a pretty good deal. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really excited for The Last Jedi. But it is, like... The Last Jedi, we're, like, knocking on the door of The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Star Wars Rebels is going to get us most of the way there. Right? Right. So... Um, Good. yeah i mean like star Wars, rebels will go will go on break and we'll be about a month away from right. from the last jedi so uh, yeah, i yeah i i think it's shaping up to be to be uh, uh just a quick like hop skip and a jump uh yeah. to to the han solo movie to solo i have to get used oh, hey. to just calling it solo yeah, but, yeah. yeah.
2: well, hey, great uh great segue into uh talking to rebels, now huh? You ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Ezra! Ezra!
1: It's time to get to
0: work. When are you going to feel you've done enough for this rebellion? <laughs> so I guess you really never thought about us. All the paths are coming together, right? I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Quite persuasive about his own project. Are you confident your ship can get in and out undetected? We don't call it the ghost for nothing. Oh, got him. Now it's our time. For the Rebels recap. May the Force be with you.
2: And here we go, folks. It's episode one and two towards the last season of Rebels. Uh Here we go, heroes. Uh, Sabine Wren, Ezra, Bridger, and Chopper are hiding in a uh, trench on the planet Mandalore, watching an Imperial prison in the distance. There's been an intelligence that Sabine's father, Alric Wren, Wren, has been moved to the remote prison from the Mandalorian capital of Sundari. When Ezra asks why, Sabine explains that her father still has uh, friends in the capital, so the Empire likely moved him there to cut him off from them. In another trench, Kanan Juris and Fen Rao are also hiding, waiting for the attack. Sabine climbs out of the trench and is spotted by the stormtroopers on guard. She takes out the Darksaber and ignites it, and Ezra and the Klanren uh, clan warriors, waiting in the clan, uh, trench, climb out as well. Sabine gives a battle cry, and the warriors charge forward. During the fight, Ezra attempts to use his jetpack and doesn't fare particularly well. The leader of the Imperial Commandos guarding the prison contacts the governor of Mandalore, Tiber Saxon, and informs him of the attack. Saxon informs the soldier that he is sending reinforcements and that he has ordered the weapon to be prepared. At one point, Sabine is knocked down and some stormtroopers manage to stun and hold her at blaster point. And the leader of the Imperial Super Commandos orders Ezra and the other attackers to surrender. With excellent timing, the three Mandalorian warriors in blue swoop in and the woman in charge stating that Sabine is too important to be captured and the battle begins again. So, Mike, here we go. We opened up season mm-hmm. four, episode one. Heroes of Mandalore. We're getting to the Mandalore story. And it's almost to me like this is a side, this Mandalore side plot, um, which I guess it, they hinted at it a lot of it last season. We got a lot of the Mandalore stuff <clears throat> in season three. Yeah. And almost like this is a bridge between season three and season four. And almost like this, this episode could have been at the end of, of last season probably would have For tied sure. in a little better, but that's fine. But, uh, but it, you know, that being said, um, this is one of those episodes, like I mentioned earlier, there's lots of action, uh, lots of stuff to to watch and gleam over, but not a lot of substance as far as like our like I was talking about our recaps. I mean, this is going to be a shorter one because there's so much action, which is cool. I love the action. Uh, I just want to mention a few things. Kanan thinks it's suspicious that uh, the Empire would move Sabine's dad. So he's already thinking about this thing. Like, why would they move? The dad you know alrex yeah. so far away from the capital and he's already onto this thing like oh, this has got to be some kind of a false flag type operation so so kane is kind of mm-hmm. on this thing and it's she sa- thinks that it's to discourage um his friends because he's got obviously he's got a lot of backing in the capital of sundari there so we'll get to to Alric some more in a, in a few <laughs> minutes but uh this detention facility, middle of nowhere, you know, this outpost, yep. like I said, middle of nowhere. Easy, easy target, actually. And there's a couple funny lines from the stormtroopers, too, I, I noted down. It's like one of them comes out, he goes, hey, target acquired. And a few seconds later, you know, they all line up on the on the trench there. And he goes, mm-hmm. uh, correction, multiple targets acquired. So I thought that was a kind of funny thing from the from the stormtroopers. But yeah. uh, then they have this massive attack and this battle starts. Mike, any uh, any impressions on the the beginning of this episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it a good, strong start. I like that we get right into it. Um, we mm-hmm. don't beat around the bush too much. Um, right. And, uh, and obviously, <clears throat> I Clone Wars fan favorite coming back in this episode is pretty oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, right. What were your feelings on Ezra in this episode with the jetpack and all of that sort of yeah. stuff?
2: you know what? It's funny. I, I had kind of jotted down some notes about that, that, uh, like the, right out of the gate, he's just having trouble. He's kind of like the yeah. comedy, uh, comedy break in this episode with him in the jetpack. And, um, I, I guess I was okay with it. You know, I didn't, it didn't draw me out of the episode. Like, um, something else did later on in the episode. And it's like a little nitpicky thing. I don't, I'll explain what I mean by drawing mm-hmm. me out of the episode later on. But, it's, it's, like I said,
1: it's nitpicky, but I, I didn't – I thought it was all right. I don't know. What do you think? Did uh, I pull I, you out of <clears throat> seeing them being a little goofy? I did find it a little bit goofy um, mm-hmm. on the StarWars.com website. It, it notes that, that that story element is meant to be sort of an homage to uh, to the Rocketeer, um, mm-hmm. yeah, which, oh, yeah. right, which right. I love the Rocketeer, but yeah. mm-hmm. they – I felt like they played it out a little bit too long. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a little bit too comical for me. I feel like the, the one of the problems with Star Wars Rebels over the Clone Wars is that Rebels is so um, cartoonish in its style that I think when you get into sort of the antic cartoon um, sort of movement, that it very quickly starts to look like a kid's show. Um, yeah. I think that with with the Clone Wars, they had a little bit more leeway because the lighting was always so much harsher. The obviously the character models were were much grittier and more angular, so it had a very different feel already. Mm. Um, but but Rebels is so much more colorful and round and soft that uh, they they him sort of flopping around in the air. And his arms and legs ragdolling as he did. It looked more like something from Toy Story than from Star Wars. So that, (laughs) to me, it it was just a little bit, it it just kind of crossed the line a little tiny bit too much. (laughs) Knowing now that it's meant to be a a reference to the Rocketeer almost (laughs) makes me more upset because now it's a missed opportunity, right? Now it's not just because I didn't get any of that in in this episode and i think mm. that they could have done it really really easily by having his having his jetpack get hit with a blaster and then him having to patch it with something and then mm. i would have been like oh they're doing a rocketeer thing right like um and the other part of that is that the the goofy part of the rocketeer is is first act stuff and by the second act he's he's got it down and yet this carried through all the way till the end of the episode um even in the final moment as as ezra masters the jetpack he's still not really mastered it he just kind of gets i don't want to say lucky but but he, he he just kind of like he gets off a good shot but I don't really feel like he's confident with that jetpack. So so yeah. I don't know. It kinda it kinda rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, but but I can see that. it's it's yeah. a small, small complaint. I'm not I'm not saying yeah, this right, like right. like, ugh, what a terrible episode because of this. It's just like <laughs> it's yeah. just a little bit more than I would have done if it were up to me. But it's not up to me. I don't actually make Star Wars. I just tell people who make it how they should have made it better. That's that's <laughs> yeah. So that's really one I thing, don't really have a leg to stand on with that. So,
2: well, I would say one thing that I that I did like that came out of this particular, um, you know, homage to the Rocketeer and him bumbling mm-hmm. around was the point where it's going so crazy that he's throwing up all this sand and um it's funny from the stormtroopers they go I, I can't see him and one of them said just keep firing he's you know just fire everywhere yeah. everywhere so that's what that's a classic thing for the stormtroopers to do just hey who cares just fire this darn thing so um so that kind of was one of the funnier moments that came out of him uh losing his power you know the jetpack and not being able to use it and also mentioned uh, we're talking about Saxon on here um so this is Tiber Saxon, the Mm -hmm. brother to Gar. So uh, Tiber has taken over as governor, and uh, we'll get into more of his shenanigans later on in this episode. Uh, Mike, go ahead. What's next?
1: Okay, so uh, the Imperials are swiftly routed, but it's discovered afterward that the prison is empty. The blue-clad warriors, land, and their leader, after removing her helmet, explains that Sabine's mother, Ursa Wren, sent them as reinforcements and that Ursa had found out that Sabine's father had been moved, but was unable to directly contact them due to Imperial jamming. Fen'rao introduces the red-haired woman as Lady Bo-Katan Kryze, who is seen by many as the rightful leader of Mandalore. Bo-Katan explains that the Jedi made her the regent of the planet near the end of the Clone Wars, but that she lost her position after refusing to do the Empire's bidding. Sabine offers her the dark saber telling her that she should have it. And Bo-Katan turns it down, stating that she had her chance and that she is not her sister. Shortly after Ursa and Tristan Ren arrive, having been contacted by Rao, uh, Ursa reveals that they've found out that her husband is being transported to Sundari for a public execution. So I now we're on a ticking clock before it was just a rescue right. mission. Um, now it's 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 a little bit more urgent so this was a really great way for them to uh to up the stakes yeah um and of course as we mentioned this is the reintroduction of bo um to, yeah. to star wars so
2: katie sack off doing the yep. voice again like always yeah really cool great character um, yeah. yeah right and i love the way that they kind of they mentioned this, I think in the behind the scenes or something like that, where they kind of aged her up a little bit, still look pretty much the same, but they would, these little yeah. tiny tweak tweaks. They do. It's kind of cool to, to see her kind of aged up and, um, yeah, Lord Saxon, man, he wants, uh, he wants to be alive, uh, and he's sending reinforcements down there to, to do this. And, yeah. uh, we saw Sabine. She gets stunned. Uh, and then, Like you said, Clan uh, Kreese comes out of nowhere to to help him out. So this was – obviously this was a trap by the Empire. Like we mentioned earlier, this false flag thing, just this kind of decoy to get them out and pull them out. It mm-hmm. uh, didn't work though because of, uh, like you said, uh, Bo-Katan coming up to, to help out. So um, let's go. You want to continue? Should we keep going, Mike?
1: Yeah, let's keep going.
2: All right. Uh, Sabine, Rao, bo and Ezra wait above a canyon, observing the smoke of Ursa and Tristan's attack, intended to divert the prisoner convoy carrying Alric Wren into their path. Meanwhile, Keenan talks to Harrison Dullaby via hologram. Harry reminds Kanan that they can't stay very long on Mandalore, as it was difficult enough persuading Mon Mothma to let Ezra, Kanan, and Chopper go there in the first place, as the Spectres are valuable assets uh, to uh, the Rebel Alliance.
0: We were hoping you could have freed him by now. What's the outlook? The Empire is moving Sabine's father to the Mandalorian capital of Sundari. Only chance we've got for a rescue is to ambush the convoy before it gets there. What's the status of the Imperial occupation? Mandalore's under complete lockdown. Civil war's raging. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but... Sounds like the planet is lost. Sabine's father is important. Not just to her, but to her people. That's how I persuaded Mon Mothma to let you help. But once that's done... I need you to come back. Oh, having trouble overthrowing the Empire without me? Our team is an important asset to the rebellion. An asset? Is that what we are? You know what I mean. Well, you know how I feel. Are we still talking about the mission? That depends. On what?
2: You know. You know, Mike, I, uh. Be careful. See you soon. <laughs> I wanted to include that because that just the vibe of that was a classic like Han mm-hmm. and Leia type thing, and we've been talking about this since season one about these two. Yeah, and uh, this is one of those moments where man, he really it really just comes at you like, you know, they're talking about you know, Caden explaining to Hera that they have to uh, ambush the convoy, and and Sabine's like, hey, you know, it, this planet's lost. Maybe you want to just ditch this thing and come home. But then the real crux of the it's almost like that's just that's just uh talk to get to the real thing when they're talking about um i love that kanan and says they're assets and he's like uh you know how yeah. i feel about this you know we're just assets now. so yeah they're obviously having this playful banter and something's going on and and she wants him back he's obviously been gone for a little bit it seems like but i just kind of love this interaction they have and and this is going to be some some crazy stuff going on at the end of this season four between these two. And if something happens to either one of them, uh, it's going to be one of those, those really, um, emotional moments. So, uh, just kind of love this interaction. Between yeah. these two. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, we know that that Hera is going to make it out of the series because we've oh, already seen her yeah, as far honestly. forward as return yeah. of the Jedi. Right. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> we, we know that she's going to be, She's gonna survive. Um the uh the the question becomes about Kanan, which look, I've been I've been warning everybody for for two seasons, Kanan's gonna die before the <laughs> end of this series. Yeah. It is the odds on that
2: are pretty good. It yeah. is
1: in the character's nature that he will sacrifice himself in order to protect the people that he cares about um in fact there's a there's like a like a guilt and i i it's survivor's guilt basically over the fact mm-hmm. that that he's still alive yet the jedi order um all of his friends have 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 been hunted down and killed right mm-hmm. and there's a lot of guilt revolving around the fact that he abandoned his Jedi um, uh, ideology in order to survive. And we got a little bit of that, I think in season two between him and Ahsoka and Ahsoka kind of um, forgave him on behalf of the order. Um, Mm. But she wasn't really a Jedi either. Like, so they kind of had the same perspective of like, you got to do what you got to do to survive. Um, But, But there will be, I think, a moment for Kanan towards the end of this series where he will be able to sacrifice his own life in order to ensure that the next generation of Jedi can continue. Um, Mm -hmm. And that'll probably have something to do with Ezra. It may be sort of uh, tangentially related to Luke. And any other Jedi potentials out there, but mm-hmm. uh, but but he's not. He's there's no way he's making it out of this. Yeah, not yeah. a single hope. Um, I'd be shocked if he yeah. if he did honestly. Yeah, and that's why For we're sure. getting all this stuff with him and Hera now, mm-hmm. because it's time to kind of come out with that and and allow that. That aspect of the story to finally uh, uh, reveal itself. And then they can. Uh, and then they can. <laughs> can... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you get <laughs> choked up already? Because right? I'm laughing at my own at my own <laughs> phrasing, but they'll, they can end it. Right. Um, yeah. it, it'll be, it'll, it'll be the end of, uh, of, uh, of their relationship by virtue of the fact that Kanan is going to, uh, die. So, um, just <laughs> yeah. like, look, you guys know it. You guys know Kanan is my favorite character on Star Wars Rebels. He's one of my like top 10 Star Wars characters. Um, so. I do. do I want to see him die. No, I want him to be in the Last Jedi. I want him to be in like I want Freddie Prince Jr. to play old man Kanan in in uh, in Episode Nine. Right, like like yeah. I want Kanan around forever because I love that character. I love Freddie Prince Jr. Um And, and everybody who's been listening since the beginning of Star Wars Rebels will know I was initially against that character. I was like, what? No, I don't want Jedi in this show. I wanted a show with no Jedi. And then I got a movie with no Jedi with Rogue One, and I'm glad that they put Jedi in Star Wars Rebels. So, um, and of course, because it's Kanan, I'm even more happy about it, but yeah, yeah,
2: I, uh, yeah yeah it's just it's just really cool I, I love the sometimes the banter between these two and that the playful flirting that they have sometimes it's kind of fun to, to to watch that and then i just want to mention too before we head on here yeah. um bo-katan as well um she had mentioned earlier just before this that she kind of uh refused the empire kind of like she had a chance and she decided to, to stay away from the empire or whatever and yeah. kind of do her own thing um uh, and then you know like Uh, Sabine thinks she should be the one leading and she's like no 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 I'm not that's not me but uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens later on this episode where that goes but uh, what's next Mike where we going go ahead
1: cool I sorry where are we we're after the clip right the prisoner convoy diverts into the canyon as planned Rao scans it and detects a single unarmored passenger in the middle transport which is the most heavily guarded Sabine outlines the plan one of them will sneak in and attack the middle transport after the rest of them cause a diversion Ezra asks if this part of the plan has his name on it, and Sabine points out how bad he was with his jetpack. He counters that he's improving. Mm -hmm. The attack begins with Sabine leaping off the cliff, swooping in and attacking the scout troopers on speeder bikes. She strikes the windscreen of the middle transport with with a paint bomb, which causes her father to realize she's present. As Sabine, bo Rao, and Kanan attack the convoy, Ezra flies in from behind and grabs onto the middle transport, clinging to the underside and stabbing into the controls with his lightsaber. When one of the super commandos looks underneath, however, Ezra has already moved to the back of the transport, out of sight. During the attack, Sabine acquires a speeder bike and Kanan fights stormtroopers atop the first troop transport. Uh, So great, great action sequence. Um, Again, on StarWars.com in the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, they they reference that this is uh, a partial homage to both the the truck chase in raiders of the lost ark and the tank chase in the last crusade um right. and absolutely i think that they nail some of that stuff and i felt that oh, watching man. it yeah. the stuff with yeah. ezra on the transport i was like oh that is totally indiana jones <laughs> yeah. reference right yeah. so yeah. yeah i i thought this sequence was so great um i really really like uh, sabine's father uh what is it it's Alric. Um, rick yeah yeah, I think he's a great character. I love I love that they switched it up that Sabine's mother is a warrior and Allric is sort of the more soft-spoken one. Yeah, um he's, like he's the, more the, the thinker and all. artist. Yeah. yeah. And and uh and and showing that Sabine is this great melding of the two of them, um that she right. gets she gets assets from both. Um, And uh, and that's what makes her special amongst the Mandalorians. Um, So, yeah, I I feel like correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Dave Filoni is making up for the Clone Wars Mandalorian stuff to Mm. the Mando fans through this storyline. I I really feel like there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, Later on in the episode, we're going to get Beskar armor called out by name um, oh, yeah. for the first time in canon and that that's a pretty big deal i think for for mando fans um mm-hmm. we get completely new sets of armor i uh, at the end of the episode wait like and not they're not just repaints they are like individual um new armor sort of layouts uh for like the mm-hmm. chest armor and stuff so right. You know that the Mando cosplayers like the Mandalorian mercs are going to be all over that stuff. And at the next Star Wars celebration, you're going to see every single one of those clans represented, right? But at the same time that, that, that Dave is allowing that Mandalorian stuff to come out, he's not ignoring what was set out in the Clone Wars. And he does this great job of showing that... S- that Sabine is actually a perfect amalgamation of those two sort of mythologies of Mandalore, right? The, the art mm-hmm. side that, that right. we know Satine was representative of. And of course the, the warrior side that, that characters like Boba, Django, uh, I, um, what's his face? Pre Vizsla, uh, mm. right, like that 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 those characters were painted in, in, in the the light of. So, um, I, I thought that, that this episode went to such great lengths to to really bring those two worlds together. Um, and it was pretty successful because now Mandalore feels like both. It feels like the Mandalore that everybody wanted, I think, that the fans were asking for. The stuff mm-hmm. that was kind of laid out in the Republic Commando stories, but then also what we saw in the Clone Wars. So I, I just think right. it was it was a really great way of bringing those two things together.
2: Yeah, well, even the city, like we know about Mandalore and how how beautiful the the architecture is and all that, and it kinda yeah. all ties in. And and you mentioned the father too, and I thought it was kind of cool that he recognized Sabine because of the paint uh kind of that bomb the paint bomber however whatever you want to call it i thought that was kind of cool and then and then this whole this whole action scene this is crazy because um at first i didn't get the reference right yeah. but there was things like like i saw like sabine's on the uh, the speeder bike and she does this move where she kind of rides the the side of it as she goes around and like God, it's kind of like Indy on the horse when he when he goes onto the side of the horse, you know, to, yeah. to stay away from fire, and I and then I didn't even recognize that in the reference until I just thought about that, and then later on it's like, oh, that was a whole homage to Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and then when you start thinking of it, like of course it is i mean look at all the caravan and everything it was just like it was perfectly done and they've done this before rebels has done this before in previous episodes um where they've referenced and they they do this a lot so um although i didn't catch it right away there were certain things like i said that i picked out like oh that looks like this and then finding out later that it was a uh a tribute so that was really cool um let me, let me, uh, I'll continue. Ezra finally gets inside the transport as it hurdles towards a cliff and takes out the drivers and super commandos inside. Ulrich asks if Ezra is with Sabine, and the Padawan responds affirmatively before clarifying that he's not with her in the romantic sense. Ezra cuts Ulrich loose and gives him his jetpack, explaining he's better off without one. As the transport hurdles off the cliff, Ezra pushes Ulrich out the door and flies up to the top of the, top of the cliff. Ezra leaps out the door and uses a series of force jumps up the three falling transports to reach the top of the cliff, where he nearly falls before being caught by Sabine. Uh, Ulrich is happy to see Sabine, with the two of them quickly get into a discussion about art. Sabine contacts her mother to report that the rescue was successful. So um, here's the one, of the one of the problems I had. Um, like I said, it, it's just nitpicky. It's something that... This is the part where it kind of pulled me out of the episode. And I don't mean when I say pull out, I don't mean like, oh, I turned it off. I couldn't watch it anymore. It was just one of those where I kind of winced, like, oh, is that like, is that continuity-wise or in universe? Like, I mean, is that something we would see like in a movie? And I'm like, no, I don't think we would. And yeah. But then I think back, and I'm like, well, like in episode one, Obi-Wan, he force jumped. You know, they force ran. And, but this one did, just kind of like it defied even the force a little bit too much where he's kind of just jumping from car to car up to the – and like I said, like you said earlier, it's just a little nitpick, but it's just one of those things where if it made me go, oh, man, I don't know about that. But, it, you know, and then ultimately in the end I'm like, okay, whatever, no big deal. I'm, I'm not going to cry about it or anything. But it's just one of those things um, that you just kind of go, oh, okay. But anyway, other than that though – Fantastic action scene! I love the homage to that and everything, and and all that was going on. Great stuff. So, I just wanted to point that out, Mike. That kind of pulled me out yeah. just a, a little bit. But other I'm, than that, it was
1: all good. I'm with you. It was a little a little too far, I of a stretch for me as well. But um, mm. I don't. Know, I can live with it.
2: But... Yeah, like I said, it's yeah, yeah, no big deal. It's all good. You know, yeah. he's got the force. You know, some of that's possible. So, uh, anyway, go ahead. And continue. Mike.
1: <clears throat> yeah, Ursa responds that the Imperial forces are in retreat, but that reinforcements have arrived. A single scout walker of an unusual design. Sabine, hearing a familiar sound over the Comlink, panics and tells her mother and brother to get out of there. And then the Comlink cuts out. Horrified, Sabine takes off for the battle site, and the others follow on jetpacks and the speeder bike. They arrive to find the disintegrated bodies and damaged armor of several Clan Wren warriors. When Ezra tells Sabine it's not her fault, she explains that it is, because this was the work of her weapon, the one she built at the Imperial Academy. She collapses over a pile of armor crying because she believes that her mother and brother are dead because of her actions and her weapon.
0: transport Reinforcements to cover their retreat? They've deployed a single scout walker
1: with no other support. It's moving into attack position.
0: Laughable. Destroy it. That sound it can't be. Tristan? No! Let's go, (laughs) Chop! What happened here? Where are the survivors of this battle? The wounded? The victors? I see. Only the defeated. Mandalorian armor? What could do this? A weapon did this. A weapon
2: created by my daughter. I was kind of cool that, um, not cool, but I, I like the fact that she recognizes what that weapon was, um, and it's called the Duchess, mm-hmm. through the link, She can hear... Uh, the weapon kind of charging or whatever. And she's like, Oh my yeah. gosh, I can't believe it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and before we we'll go, go into this in a second here, but I wanted to mention too, just briefly before this, uh, I don't know if you noticed, like there was kind of like a rogue one Vader moment in that transports uh, section of this, um, this particular episode where Kane and he drops into the uh, one of the transports and then yeah. it kind of goes dark and he lights up the lights. every like, Oh, it kind of reminded me of uh, like the rogue one thing. And then the, of course the Ezra, the whole, yeah, I'm with her. Well, I mean, I'm not really with her, but yeah, we're just friends. I thought that was kind of funny. A uh, little moment there too between him and uh, the father. You know, it's kind of like I'm sure a bunch of dads deal with that all the time with daughters. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I know this this scene, Mike, with uh, with this weapon. We don't exactly at this point. We don't know what's going on. We don't w- know what happened. Yeah. But Sabine obviously knows, and she heard what it was, and um, she thinks her family is dead. So we'll get into uh what's exactly going on with this weapon in part 2 here Mike? you want to mention anything else about uh
1: yeah about i this just
2: weapon what's going on
1: yeah i thought this was so expertly done i thought it was just so so well done um mm-hmm. that i i i really thought that that they went there you know yeah um, no
2: no exactly right
1: and i did enjoy the moment when we find out that they are alive i it, it it is a little bit of a cop out to me. And I think yeah, that maybe yeah. the episode would have carried a little bit more weight and going into this final season, it would have really established the, um, the stakes that, mm-hmm. uh, that just to remind us that none of these characters are in the original trilogy. And, uh, and we don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. Right. Other than Hera. So, yeah. and chop, uh, but, but, At the same time, I think that they did a really great job with the execution of it, especially Mm -hmm. splitting it it, from one part into the other part. Um, But, man, they really got me in this. I was like, oh, my God, no, because because I don't know about you, but the second that the uh, that the weapon sort of started up. I had flashbacks to the trailers and of the Mandalorian armor with this dust kind of blowing in the wind. Right. Right. So I was like, Oh no, that's what this is. And so I immediately knew like, Oh, they're, they're doomed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they're there's no, whatever this weapon is, it just obliterates them. We already know that. Yeah. So it really sold it for me that, um, It's almost like a spoiler making the episode a little bit better. Like that spoiler being in the trailer, right? Like that, that little preview makes me feel like, like, Holy smokes, this is going to be crazy, right? This Mm -hmm. is going to, this is, I can't believe they're actually going to kill not only Sabine's mother, which I could see them doing, but, but also her brother. It's like, wow. All because she wanted to rescue her father. Like, what's that going to do to her character? Um, and then of course they kind of pull back on that a little bit, but, but they do start to go there and I appreciate that they, that they at least like sort of faked us out and made us feel that for a little bit. Uh, I Mm -hmm. thought it was really, really effective. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. Like this is like the, I was thinking the weapon that Sabine designs here causes the death of her family or so at this point she thinks, and this is almost like the Jyn Erso Galen Erso type thing where, you know, the weapon he designs ultimately kills his daughter. Um, So shades of that. And and, um, well, let me do this. Let me, I'll read this part. And then I'll, I'm going to comment on what you said too about the the injury. So shortly uh, voices are heard from nearby and Ursa and Tristan walk up. The countess is visibly injured. And she explains that Sabine's uh, warning gave her and Tristan enough time to take cover as they were on the edge of the weapons uh, area of effect. Fighting ensues as Sabine, Bo-Katan, Rao, Kanan, and Ezra attempt to get the injured Wren's out of the area. So let me let me just stop here for a second. Um, I'm with you, Mike. I thought I, when they when they showed that ending, I'm like, wow, that was okay. We thought season four was going to be no holds barred, and I'm thinking, okay, man, they're really first episode, man. Yeah. Characters are going. I'm like, oh, right, okay, I, I I can go with this. And then they came back, and I'm like oh, man, you know, like I just for a minute I was like, oh, man, I, I personally I would have preferred that they had left it like that to give, yeah. um, you know, Sabine's kind of anguish a little more resonance or whatever, however you want to say it. I, I just thought like, oh, man, you know, that was a good opportunity. What other purpose do these characters serve? Are, are they going to serve? It's like it seems like we're done with the Mandalorian story now from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, so. I'm kind of with you on that. You know, I, I would have rather seen them make that sacrifice and, and just kind of ramp everything up for this first episode, but they didn't do that. But like you said, I appreciate that. They almost went there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So, um, but I'll continue. Fortunately, a gauntlet fighter belonging to Bo people arrives shooting down one of the ties and everyone climbs aboard as the gauntlet flies into the upper atmosphere. The two remaining ties pursue one landing on a, uh, a hit on the ship Rao, piloting, notes that their weapons have gone offline. Sabine tells them that they can't keep them aloft, but says they can't take another hit like that. Down in the hole, the bay doors open, and Ezra tells Bo-Katan that they they don't have any weapons. She responds that a Mandalorian jetpack is a weapon and leaps out. Ezra, following, grumbles that he isn't Mandalorian and doesn't want to be one bo flies to one of the TIE fighters and grabs on. Ezra, meanwhile, hurtles about on his jetpack and winds up pressed to the windscreen of another TIE to the pilot's confusion. bo opens the hatch and her fighter and drops her grenade, flying away as it explodes. Ezra is shaken loose from the other TIE, and as it flies off, he manages to use his jetpack rocket against it. The two of them fly back aboard the gauntlet. So um, I thought it was kind of a crazy visual to see ezra clinging to the uh the windshield of a yeah. tie fire i thought that was kind of funny I that actually it's kind of made me laugh a little bit. like well that's that's an image you don't see all the time in a star wars uh, medium or anything so uh but uh they're free they're they're uh free to go and uh they take off from there anything on this particular scene mike
1: yeah, I kind of alluded to it already when I was talking about Ezra with the jetpack earlier. So, yeah, I don't think I, I have you. that much more to say. But, I mean, like, it was fun. It was good. I, I liked seeing Bo-Katan kind of do her thing. Um, and uh, and those those Mandalorian jetpacks actually get used um, to the full extent along with the rocket launcher. But, uh, yeah, it was, also, it was also a little on the silly side with Ezra. But... Like I yeah. said, I can live with it. It's not that big a deal. I'm <laughs> not. I'm being nitpicky. I'm. It's the same way with you with the uh, with the um with the the force jumps and stuff, right? Like it's just it's yeah. just a little tiny bit too much, but it's really not that big a deal in the yeah. greater scheme of well,
2: there was another actually nitpick thing. This actually came from Tim Jurasic. He's on the network and he does everything for us. Great dude. Yeah. Um, something that took him out of the episode. And after watching it, I he didn't spoil the episode, but I go, I'm gonna watch it and see what he's talking about. And he's a big Mandalorian fan, and he had an issue with like during this battle with you know the different clans and with Ezra and all that. Like none of the Mandalorians were hitting anything. They were like stormtroopers. Um, yeah. No aim whatsoever. So he had an issue with that, and and as I watched it, I go, oh, okay, I guess I guess I see where you're going with that. So um, totally again, total small nitpick thing, but uh, that's just um, the way it goes.
1: I recognize Mandalorians uh, by virtue of uh, Django and Boba's contributions to the mm-hmm. uh, to the Star Wars mythology, and if that's the case, uh, Boba Fett misses more than he hits and, uh, and, and also dies like a punk and Django likewise never really does anything all that scary. Um, and again, dies like a punk. So, uh, really at the end of the day, Mandalorians are a bunch of punks and, uh, I, I felt like it was accurate it, I felt like it, it accurately represented their inability to do anything properly. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, at this point, I'm just trying to get people to, like, write hate mail. But
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 all good, man. Hey, uh, go ahead. What's yeah. next? What do we got? Saxon go
1: reports to Grand Admiral Thrawn via hologram about the test of the Duchess, showing him a video of the weapon being used against the Clan Ren warriors. They discuss the fact that the weapon turns Mandalorian armor from a strength into a weakness by targeting the Beskar alloy it's made of. Thrawn notes that the weapon does not have as great a range as he expected, which Saxon had been attempting to conceal. The Grand Admiral tells Saxon that that the mind that designed the weapon is their best option for fixing it and orders him to capture Sabine.
0: As you see, the arc generator's energy pulse is drawn to the Beskar alloy in the Mandalorian's armor, superheating it and instantly vaporizing the target. And all the while, doing no harm to our Imperial Stormtroopers. The weapon is fully operational, as promised. Grand Admiral. Effective, yes. But you miss the true artistry of this weapon, Governor Saxon. It turns an armor, legendary for its strength, into a crippling weakness, and it strikes at the very heart of your people's tradition. You said the Emperor wanted this uprising dealt with quickly. This will end it. You're different than your brother. How would Gar Saxon feel about you betraying your heritage? He no longer feels anything. I have evolved. Mandalore must evolve with me. Once your people see their sense of security turned against them, do you believe they'll swear loyalty to the Empire? A Mandalorian without armor is no more than a common soldier. Fear will compel them to join the Empire. We shall see of course the weapons range is far more limited than you promised or perhaps you thought i wouldn't notice i only had pieces of the prototype i've done everything i could you cannot make it work properly because you do not truly understand it you need the weapons creator
2: you need Sabine Wren. mike what a powerful weapon this thing is holy mackerel you mm-hmm. finally see what the devastation it does uh, man, this thing is nasty, right? I mean this thing cooks the, the armor, this best car armor, yeah, and basically renders the the human inside ashes. Um crazy thing, man. And this and here we get Thrawn and it's great to to hear him, he's so slimy, he has this deep admiration for uh, the Duchess, which is crazy that she had named it after the Duchess Satine. Yeah. And it, uh, basically his like I said, his admiration, his ability to turn uh, strength into weakness and you know he just wants to see this thing's full potential he's talking about this to mr saxon here um so for sure uh what do you think michael this weapon what's up with this I man
1: yeah i i love the fact that uh, in the video that that he plays for for thrawn it shows um the the lightning arcing past the stormtroopers and just into the uh, the Mandalorians, so that makes it such a terrifying weapon because it yeah. means that that the the Imperials can use it without ever having to worry about their own their own troops right being being hurt. Right. So it's this sort of weapon of mass destruction, but it's very focused. Um, for use specifically against the Mandalorians So it's kind of it, It's a very terrifying weapon And uh, and Thrawn's admiration for it Only makes it scarier
2: Yeah, right, yeah, he just wants to see this thing Maxed out, man Like, yeah. We can make this thing bigger and better So, uh, yeah, very Just crazy weapon Uh Bo-Katan demands to know why Sabine would make a weapon That would target Mandalorian armor And Sabine explains that she was a young and arrogant Seeking a challenge <clears throat> She had destroyed the prototype and erased the plans before she left the Imperial Academy and states that the Empire must have rebuilt the weapon. bo is also surprised that Sabine named the weapon after her sister, and uh, Sabine reiterates her young and arrogant uh, arrogant comment. Ezra, noting that Sabine's weapon targets the material the Mandalorian's armor is made of, asks why they don't just make the armor out of something else. Uh, Sabine, Tristan, and bo all stare at him, and Sabine explains that for Mandalorians, armor is a living legacy, and that armor uh, was originally forged 500 years before, and it carries the history of its previous owners with it. So I thought that was kind of a cool little history lesson. Um, yeah. I don't remember that I knew that, but uh, that is a cool little history lesson for us and for uh, for Ezra there, that this armor is very special to these Mandalorians, and it's passed down, and um, there's just a lot of... Like she said, a lot of history to it. And I like the fact that she explains why she made the weapon. She was in the Superior Academy, obviously a star student. She wanted to show what she can do. She had drive. She wanted a, a challenge and obviously didn't know what, uh, what the Empire was going to use this for. You know, they didn't know. She didn't know anything like that. She was just trying to show her she's in the empire right she's in the academy she's got to show like i, I need to show what i can do so that's her reasoning for making the yeah. uh, the weapon so uh so anyway um yeah guys and and this the the definition or what this thing does um like i said it's just it kind of just like it's like a microwave man It just cooks them uh, in their in their uh yeah. in their armor so crazy stuff um you want to continue, Mike?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, arriving at bo camp, Sabine does not receive a warm welcome, as she is called a traitor by the warriors there. Ursa, disembarking from the ship, announces that attacking Sabine will bring down the the wrath of Clan Wren on the perpetrators. Sabine owns up to her past misdeeds and explains that she wants to destroy her weapon once and for all. Planning the attack, it's decided that they will sneak aboard Tiber Saxon's Star Destroyer near Sundari, break into two teams, one to destroy the weapon, the other to erase the plans from the Imperial database. Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper volunteer to erase the plans. After the briefing, Rao informs Bo-Katan that he's surprised at how well she's responding to Sabine. bo responds that she thinks Sabine has a lot of potential, and Rao agrees. How cool would it have been if um, if the Duchess had been one of those uh, secret like uh, the secret plans in rogue one. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And then I'm mean, like, it would have been really cool on, on, in two ways. Cause it would have been another star Wars rebels reference, but it would have been really interesting because they kind of go to great lengths to destroy these plans. And, and I feel like it would have been just such a gut wrencher after the fact, or like while watching this episode to realize, Oh, it was pointless yeah the empire still has those plans or at least they did until they blew up their own their own uh, uh, <laughs> uh, archive which is one right. of the things that i don't know that anybody talks about in rogue one I uh, mm. they blow up the 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 entire archive which is like what other yeah right like like and i'm sure that i'm sure that the empire has more than one archive like that and that that there are copies of of plans in other places but but they must have lost a lot of resources at the end of rogue one and like i don't i I didn't occur to me until just now that they were blowing up their own archive just to take out these rebels Mm. um but obviously to stop them from getting the Death Star plans. But, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, the, this whole, the Mandalorian culture, this warrior side of the culture is really explored here. Um, mm-hmm. and that it's, it's very much an honor based, um, sort of respect based, uh, uh, culture. And that, uh, and that, that Sabine's actions, um kind of fly in the face of that to a certain degree, the cowardice and that sort of thing that Bo Katan mentions. Um, and obviously the rest of the Mandalorians feel that way as well. But but I think that Sabine does a good job of handling herself. So Yeah, well and
2: she also says Bo Katan, like her and Rao kind of step away for a second and they're talking about her and like they're kind of obviously impressed with with Sabine and what she's you know, what she is now. And I think even bo mentions like, you know, she's w- what we once were um, back in the day. You know, this, she, the, the way she acts and the way she holds herself. And yeah, she's yeah. what the Mandalorian once were. So I thought it was kind of a cool little thing for Bo-Katan to say about her. So for sure. uh, after Dark the strike, t- uh, strike Team approaches, Saxon's Star Destroyer by Jetpack and in Chopper's case, a rocket booster. They slip into the hangar and sneak through the crates and vehicles stored there. Once members of the team are spotted, a firefight begins almost immediately. Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper depart the hangar in search of the databases while the Mandalorians stay and fight. The Duchess's power core is missing, so Sabine and bo go to the upper level in search of it. Finding it, they are ambushed by Saxon, who wants Sabine to repair her weapon and bring it to full capacity. Meanwhile, Kanan and Ezra fight Stormtroopers, while Chopper plugs in and begins racing the designs. Ezra attempts to contact Sabine and realizes she's in trouble, so uh, Kanan tells her to go help her. Uh, Mike, you want to do this one and we'll talk about this scene real quick?
1: Yeah. uh, Sabine, after being shocked by the weapon, agrees to Saxon's demand and adjusts it. Saxon's subordinate, Hark, protests, so Saxon shocks him with the weapon as well. He himself is unaffected due to wearing imperial armor. Saxon thinks everything is going as planned when Sabine tells him the weapon is at full strength, but she then activates it, revealing she has reset it to affect only Imperial armor, bringing down him and all the Imperial soldiers on the ship. Before she can use it to kill all of them, bo talks her down, asking Sabine if she wants to fight with honor like a Mandalorian or cowardice like the Empire. Sabine slashes the weapon with the Darksaber breaching its power core just as Ezra arrives. The three quickly flee and gather up the rest of the strike team as the weapon's explosion will destroy the Star Destroyer. The strike team exits the same way they came in as Saxon's warship crumbles behind them. So this is a pretty major blow. Like this is a decisive victory yeah. for the Mandalorians. Um because right. they take down a whole Star Destroyer with this. But yeah. uh, I I love this. I love the 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 internal struggle um mm-hmm. for for Sabine. Um, and, uh, and, and sort of the, the way that this conversation that her and Bo-Katan have echoes the conversation that they had earlier only right. it's kind of, it's not quite flipped. Cause I don't know that they were ever the other, like the opposite sort of, uh, uh, sides of this argument, but, but it definitely does like the, the, the balance of the conversation changes where it's very much, um, Sabine trying to defend herself initially and saying, like, look, this isn't what I had in mind. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that the Empire would use it. I was just trying to, you know, impress people. And I was stupid and young to um, Bo-Katan sort of saying, like, is the do you want to become everything that you hated? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that that was just such a great emotional core to the episode and a really great cap to sabine's story here with the mandalorians right.
2: definitely and, and did they just go superman uh on us with this thing and and the whole uh uh krypton remember that on krypton or uh, you know when superman turns around the uh, the kryptonite and it, uh,
1: yeah
2: instead of instead of him it's <laughs> they went a little superman on this totally but, yeah, uh, yeah
1: it's superman 2 so, was uh, that superman sure. 2 or yeah. superman 1 superman 2 2 yeah. okay um
2: uh, but yeah i know it's uh Great stuff here, uh, as far as like, and here's the thing with Saxon this is kind of what I picked up from him too. Um, he is like, he even talks about this particular scene here. He talks about, um, he says, Palpatine has shown me the way to true power. So it's crazy that this guy, Tiber Saxon, has had conversations with Palpatine. Um, obviously, Palpatine's probably been promised him. Hey, you know you do this kind of stuff and and you get mandalore um so he is right on board with everything that he's doing he you know even to the fact that he um his little captain there hark um, he kind of dismisses him as yeah. well
1: like hey you know I I've I've had I've had talks with Palpatine. Dude, do you, so. now? Do you feel you think that he has actually talked to Palpatine? You don't think that he's just sort of blindly following the Emperor like so many of the Imperials do? Uh,
2: I guess the I guess that quote because that is a direct quote that he says. Yeah. I guess you could say that he maybe he hasn't talked to him, but just the influence of Palpatine. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that because I was just thinking, oh man, he must have had co- at least some kind of a maybe a hologram saying, you know, of, of, of the emperor saying, yeah. hey, this is what you got to do and and do this. So, in any event, though, he is definitely influenced by the emperor, and I thought that was yeah, uh, for sure his driving force. So, um, so yeah, everything was cool about that. She ends up destroying it with the dark saber and uh, they're able to get away so uh i'll finish it up here mike arriving back at bo camp uh, sabine tells her that she has proven uh she is the uh the rifle leader bo is uncertain but sabine and ursa tell her that there are people willing to follow her sabine opens the gauntlet's ramp revealing a gathering of warriors including representatives from many other clans warriors from clan Vizla. Uh, Rook, Eldar and Kreese and Rao the only survivor of the Protectors tell Bo-Katan they are willing to follow her. Ursa adds in Clan clan Ren to the list. Bo-Katan finally accepts the Darksaber and ignites it as the warriors kneel.
0: Clan Vizsla is with you. Clan Rook is with you. Clan Eldar is with you. Clan Kreese is with you. The Protectors are with you. Clan Ren is with you. Now I understand why the saber came to me. It came to me so I could pass it to you. I accept this sword for my sister. For my clan. And for all of Mandalore.
2: And I thought a nice way to kind of wrap up this Mandalorian story arc, I, like I said, I don't know if we're going to get more of it later on, possibly not. But a great way to end this up, uh, Bo-Katan comes yeah. in first time in Rebels. Uh, and she exits these two episodes as the new leader of Mandalore with the Darksaber. I love what Sabine says. Hey, maybe it, was, it came to me so I could pass it. Uh, to you and um, all the clans are rallying behind Bo Katan, and a nice little way to uh, to tie this thing up, Mike. What do you think?
1: Yeah, pretty great. Pretty great beginning to the season, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like,
2: I I mentioned, I think I said it on Twitter something like that. I'm not like a huge Mandalorian, you know, fan. Yeah, uh, stories are. But I got to tell you, I had I thought it was great, pretty great. You know, I had some great action in there, a great story, um, some good. Uh, little things to take out of it so I had a great time with it um it kind of surprised me because I was like uh to be honest I wasn't hugely I wasn't like super pumped about this opening you know yeah but um it definitely um exceeded my expectations so a good way to start out the season I don't think it lived up to maybe season two maybe um But uh, but still a strong start in any any event. So
1: I uh, you know I don't think that anything's really gonna ever live up <laughs> to season two, and that that Vader battle I uh, yeah that's yeah. one of the best things that they've done in Star Wars animation. So I uh, it's hard to top hard to top that fight. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But that's yeah. True. Uh, definitely a great episode definitely a great a great cap to this Mandalorian story and um, hopefully like and 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 I don't mean this in like a in like a way of like putting down the Mandalorian part but but just hopefully an end a cap like like that's that's it we're good we're good with the Mandalorians yeah um, I think
2: so too because yeah, I feel yeah.
1: like Star Wars Rebels has focused a lot on Mandalore especially in the last season um, mm. in season three so it's like like okay we're good let's move on to uh to to the to the rebellion um right and most importantly hot Callus, uh who (laughs) who will hopefully be showing up next week but yeah
2: no i think he is yeah no you're absolutely right like i was the same way like let's now it's time to start hitting that you know with with this next episode in the name of the rebellion um this is where we're going to start kicking things off and uh yeah i'm good you know like it it was it was fine you know i think like you said we're done with the Mandalorian story arc and let's let's hit the rest of this thing pretty hard with this with the rebel alliance so yeah you know i um i forgot to put in uh some of the notifications we got i know like martin ailman um uh kind of dropped a line to us. And I, he, he said kind of the same thing where it was kind of like he enjoyed the, the opening, but he didn't think it was as good as some of the other season premieres. Um, I was yeah. sorry that I didn't grab those, but maybe we'll get those next time. But I know he, he had mentioned some things, um, but that just reminds me, Hey, for all you out there listening, drop us something on, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Uh, give us some, some thoughts of what you thought and what, what you think is coming up and just any questions or whatever you guys think. Cause we love to hear what you guys have to say, you know, we're just yeah. fans like you. So give us some help. Sometimes we could, we can always use, uh, any kind of, um, information you guys might have or any theories or speculation. Yeah, so it's always hesitate. good to
1: get, to get that, yeah. that outside insight and, uh, yeah. uh, it, Uh, A few extra few extra opinions on this stuff For sure Mm -hmm. You guys know where to hit us up on Twitter and Facebook Um, Do it do it. Yeah cool (laughs) So uh, (laughs) uh,
2: Next time, next week on Star Wars Rebels In the name of of the rebellion We got two parts here Mike As members of the Rebel Alliance uh, Ezra and a ghost crew must accept a mission To spy on an Imperial outpost they would rather destroy And after being separated from Hera And Cain and Ezra and Sabine join the desperate quest of Saw Gerrera to hunt down the Empire's elusive uh, secret weapon. Check out this little clip here.
0: It's not whether or not we fight. It's...
1: It's how we choose to fight that matters. I know, Kanan. Maybe we're choosing the wrong way. <laughs>
0: Members of the Alliance to restore the Republic. sir. Your losses today stem from your leader's cowardice. Their unwillingness to take decisive action against the Empire. All across the galaxy, your people suffer while the leaders of this... <laughs> ...rebellion refuse to act. Should I shut it down? No, I want to speak to him. Madame Senator. I'm honored. What is your business here? You ignored my warning about the Delindy Relay and paid the price. Now you have confirmation, yet still you refuse to destroy it. So long as our allies in the Senate have hope of a peaceful resolution to this conflict, I will not risk- If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, not yours, you are going to lose. I will not be lectured on military strategy by a man who has proven himself a criminal. The Empire considers both of us criminals. <laughs> At least I act like one. You target civilians, kill those who surrender, break every rule of engagement. If we degrade ourselves to the Empire's level, what will we become? There she is! That's the leader the rebellion needs! Where is that fire, that passion, when your people
1: need it most?
2: Wow, Mike, we got uh, a lot of stuff coming at us here, man. Saw is just yeah. calling out Mon Mothma here. She, he is just going after her, man. But we got a bunch of people. Saw, Mon Mothma, and Hot Cows coming at us next week, Mike. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that scene. I'm so glad that they, they released that right. one early. So that we yeah. can hear it. I just love <laughs> the eye. Sorry about that i'm just getting over a cold for those who who don't listen to to quiver you would have heard me last week uh, (laughs) at the beginning of the cold and now i'm on the other side of it but uh um i just love the way that they place i i um saw on the opposite side of of mon mothma and almost um his his influence here is almost necessary in order for the rebellion to sort of catalyze because it still hasn't catalyzed yet right like we're right. we're waiting for that moment and obviously the the biggest moment is in rogue one but right. um but even even that like you know even getting to that point where the rebellion is able to do that um, we're we're not quite there yet. so I, I I think that it's fantastic the way that they're filling in those gaps in it and and um and and beefing up that story and that character through Star Wars Rebels. I think it's really good,
2: yeah, I know that's exactly. What I was thinking, like, man, maybe we'll get some some information on you know what happens or why saw is like the way he is in rogue one. So yeah, uh, maybe they're going to do that. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool to see that. So looking forward to that. That's coming next week, two part of next week.
1: So other than that, yeah. that's it for this week. That is, that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest star Wars animation news by heading to rebel cells.com. Uh, that is R E B E L cels.com uh and of course you can also follow us on facebook facebook.com slash rebels podcast as well as on twitter at rebels podcast you can follow me on twitter i'm at arkwolf a-r-k-w-u-l-f and matt is at the crankster that is crankster with a k uh, you guys know it. we're part of the uh the thunderquack podcast network you can head to thunderquack.com check out all of the other great podcasts in the network Uh, might I suggest the Disney Dads cartoon afternoon my new podcast with Curtis where we talk about DuckTales as I mentioned earlier Um, we're really really proud of that podcast it's family friendly so um, even though uh, I think that 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 uh, rebel cells and Frontlines have always kind of been more or less family friendly I think they were a little bit more PG PG 13 um, Mm -hmm. with with uh, cartoon afternoon Curtis and I are making a very specific effort for it to be um not aimed at a younger audience but but definitely um appropriate and uh and and safe to listen to with the whole family so um if you've got uh, if you've got young kids and you want to listen to a podcast with them uh, you first off head over to disney xd watch yourself some Ducktales. you won't regret it that show is fantastic um and then uh, and then head to to itunes and the fastest way to get uh, cartoon afternoon is to search Disney afternoon on iTunes and then scroll down to podcasts and we're right there. Number one. So, um, uh, but that's at thunderquack.com and, uh, cartoon If you want to go straight to the site for that podcast. Uh, and if you want to support us, you can do that in one of two ways. First by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. I, I, it still says rebels podcast so if anybody was like oh no i missed my chance no you haven't i haven't i'm too lazy or too busy <laughs> a combination of both to uh, to get in there and and uh, and replace those those uh designs but uh but that's going to happen sooner or later so be prepared for that uh if you will. and we'll have rebel cells stuff up there soon probably with a few new designs um and, uh, and, and, uh, the, there's lots of great stuff there. You not just t-shirts, you can also get cell phone cases, you get throw pillows, you can get, uh, we've got a great design for, for arrow, for quiver, um, for a scarf. It's just fantastic. Amanda has it and it, it looks really great. Um, and, uh, and the other way that you can support us is by heading to Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, you just, uh, you, you pledge a, a monthly amount to support us and and you get some cool rewards in return so starting at the one dollar level you get access to the exclusive Quack podcast as well as the uh the facebook group that is just for patreon supporters uh and uh and at, at higher levels, you get cool stuff like early access or not early access, exclusive access to the MP3s for YouTube videos, um, as well as, as well as some other cool stuff. So there, there's, there's some really neat rewards over there. If you want to head over to patreon.com slash Thunderquack, uh, but of course you don't need to. The content's always free. We appreciate everybody who supports us, but we appreciate everybody who listens as well. That's a perfectly fine way to support us. And if you don't, you don't have money to support us monetarily, that is fine. The one thing that you can do that is 100% free is you can head to iTunes or Stitcher or Google play or wherever you're listening to the podcast and just drop a review. Just, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be five stars, although we would appreciate that and uh, I just leave a, 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 a sort of a good comment review
2: That'd be great. and a rating
1: yeah. um, and that would be awesome because that helps other people find the podcast which uh, which is the best thing you can do to support us so uh, that's it for this week uh, thank you guys for listening I'm glad to be back I know Matt's glad to be back oh, yeah, uh, bigger, badder, better than ever as uh, the newly dubbed rebel cells the star wars animation podcast so we're gonna look forward to many years to come of us bringing you guys great star wars animated content on the internet uh but uh, but that's it for this week's episode thank you guys so much for listening we will catch you next week
2: see you next week